Digiday Podcast. My name is Tim Peterson. I am a senior media editor at Digiday. And I'm Keely Barber, media editor at Digiday. So Kaylee, you had the interview this week and you spoke with Zach Wiener, who is the co-founder and president of Overtime. Uh, people in the audience may be familiar with Overtime as a publisher of high school sports clips on social platforms like Instagram. But Overtime also launched its own basketball league about a year ago. It's called the Elite League. And Kaylee, did, were you able to talk with Zach about how things are going with the Elite League? Yeah, so they had announced this league almost exactly a year ago at this point. Um, and the first season is coming to a close, um, I think this month. But we talked about how it's been going in their, what he calls this kind of quote unquote beta year, although it was a you know a legitimate exercise that they, they put to the test. Um, but he said it's done a really good job from an audience standpoint. They've gotten some sponsors to partner on, um, you know, content around it and, you know, partner with the games themselves. But what I found most interesting is that they're not live streaming the games. They have a lot of off-court content that they put on their site and they put on their social media handles. Again, like they are a very socially native um, brand. So they've done a lot to produce content around the league, but they haven't gotten into like live streaming of the game um, itself. And he even says that they have a lot of audience members asking for the games. They, they want to see it and they're seeing good engagement from their audience. But yeah, that's that's an area that they still haven't really like crossed into yet. So sports leagues like the NFL, NBA, they make their money by selling the rights to broadcast or stream the games. Um, and then a, an NBC or Disney comes in and then uses owning those rights to sell advertising and make that money back and even make a profit off of it. Overtime's in an interesting position where they're both a publisher, but then also the league owner. And so I imagine they may have to be thinking about how they're handling these rights or to what extent they are selling these rights a bit differently than a pure league owner would. Yeah. So that's the question I asked. And they just launched a CTV, um, you know, channel as well. And I'm like, why aren't you streaming it there? They, they need to make money from this and, you know, meaningful money because this is a big investment that they had to put into it. They even created their own basketball arena and, you know, living facility down in Atlanta to to host all of this. It's it's an expensive undertaking. So they're looking for a streaming partner um, that they will give the live rights to, um, which I think makes sense in this effort to become, you know, a profitable part of the business. But it'll be a big kind of question as to whether or not they can sell their homegrown league to a, a, a bigger streaming partner. Um, it'll definitely be something interesting to follow in the next, you know, maybe year or two. Got it. So it sounds like Zach has a lot on his mind these days, which is uh, good for an interview. So Kaylee, I'll let you take it away. Thanks, Tim. Hi, Zach. Thanks so much for joining us on the Digiday Podcast. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I wanted to have you on because um, Overtime launched its Elite League just about a year ago. Um, and that, I think, is one of the more creative innovations that have come out of a sports media company in the past several years. Um, it's very involved. It involves a lot of moving parts and a lot of investment. Um, but it also seems to have been like a pretty cool experiment so I really wanted to kind of dive into that and get um, a look at how the first year went for you guys. But I also understand that 
it's very complicated. There's probably some listeners who aren't familiar with it. So can you give us like an overview of what the Elite League is and what all it you know did in the first year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we launched Overtime Elite. Actually, we, we announced it almost a year ago to, to the day um, last March. Um, and I would say, I, I think the best way to think about it is really through sort of a dual prism. One is um, the athlete experience and the second is the, the business. Um, starting with the athlete experience, we basically heard from many, many elite uh, high school athletes, you know, generally from the 16 to 18 year old range that were juniors and seniors in high school. We learned from them that the current ecosystem of basketball development, of education, of athlete empowerment, uh, namely that they wanted to be compensated, uh, you know, the current system wasn't necessarily providing uh, an option for them that they felt uh, w- w- would kind of satisfy all of those things. So on the athlete side, we said, okay, is there a way for overtime, you know, having this really deep relationship with these athletes, um, is there a way for us to solve that? So that was sort of the, the athlete prism that was in our mind. Um, the second prism was that, you know, we have, you know, back then, I don't know, maybe we had 50 million fans. Now we have 75 million fans and, and, and quickly growing. We have all this distribution, all this brand love, all this content creation capabilities. And we said, um, you know, we've thought this for quite some time now. The most valuable thing we can do is not amplify other people's IP, but actually create our own IP. Um, so for a few years, we thought it would be really exciting um, and, and valuable and lucrative to launch our own league. And these things sort of uh, came together when we said, OK, well, we can provide those things that these athletes are seeking. We can compensate these athletes. We can provide an amazing education. We can provide amazing basketball development, empowerment, you know, all these things. Um, and they can join our league. Uh, and in return, we can create an amazing uh, media property and a basketball league for the next generation of fans. So that's what we've done uh, over the course of the past year. Uh, we have the best 16 to 18 year olds, or at least some of the best 16 to 18 year olds uh, in the world. 25% of our athletes are international. They uh, all live in Atlanta. Uh, you know, they live in sort of elevated dorms. They go to basically a school that we built for them with a four to one student to teacher ratio. They learn financial literacy. Uh, they learn about mental health, all the things that you would hope that these young men would have access to. Um, and then they compete uh, in overtime elite, uh, which is a, a league for the next generation of these stars. They compete internally amongst each other. Uh, they also compete externally. We bring in, uh, you know, a, a other programs to play against them. Uh, we built an arena uh, in, in Atlantic Station uh, in, in Atlanta, and it is pretty phenomenal. Uh, you know, dozens and dozens of LED, LED screens, all sort of this latest technology that's optimized for the digital consumer. Um, you know, and we have millions and millions of people already consuming the content just in its first year. Uh, and it's been it's been pretty amazing. Yeah, it also is just this incredibly large and like multi-layered project, right? Like you, you basically built a school for a bunch of athletes, um, and your, their sports program is just like insane. It's huge. It's, there's like so much that you have going on with it. Um, I think the biggest question a lot of people are going to be asking is how did you afford to do that? Like what was the upfront kind of cost associated with this and how did you get the funding to do that? Was it, you know, raised, um, externally or, you know, is it sponsored? Like, what's the kind of investment that you had to undertake to, you know, build this league? 
Yeah. Um, first of all, I appreciate you uh, uh, having some empathy for how, how large of an undertaking, and complex of an undertaking this this has been, and and it's definitely true. The the education, the taking care of the young athletes, the creating a media product that that young people really care about, building the building, all these things. You're right. Um, were incredibly complex, and I'm very thankful to to our amazing OTE team uh, for what they have accomplished. Um, you know, to, an- to answer your question around sort of the resources that it took, uh, you know, we, we are a startup. We had raised capital in the past uh, and we raised capital to, to do this. Um, we, we had a round that we announced last year uh, that 30 NBA players invested in, Morgan Stanley invested in, Blackstone, uh, you know, Eric Stern, the, the, the late, the son of the late commissioner, uh, David Stern, you know, a, a lot of amazing people invested. Um, but certainly we we believe that this is an incredible business opportunity. I mean, it's great what we get to do for these young men, but ultimately we believe that this will be the, you know, a league that young people are desperate to watch, whether it's in person or, or, or digitally. Um, and I would say that premium IP like that has never been more valuable. It's never been more valuable to the rights holder, but it's also never been more valuable to potential partners, streaming partners, you know, legacy networks, Etc. And we felt that if we could create a basketball league um, with significant, significant fandom, um, it would be extremely valuable. So, so that that's what uh, that's what we feel we're, we're in the process of doing. And uh, the business model um, is already starting to work in the sense of you know we have multiple multi million dollar sponsors um, that we're that we're really proud to be working with. Uh, you know, and I would say that most startup leagues in the first year. Um, don't have the benefit of having, you know, 70 million fans to, to distribute to on day one. And I feel like that has given us sort of this quote unquote unfair advantage, uh, which is something that, you know, we try to take advantage of every day. Got it. Are you able to disclose how much money was raised by, um, you know, those NBA players that you'd reached out to and the different companies that have invested in this, you know, initiative? Yes. Uh, last year in our Series C, we raised $80 million. Awesome. All right. So, it seems still like there's a lot of money that has to go into this, right? So like the athletes are also being compensated um, as, you know, actual players. Like they have salaries built into this. Can you talk a little bit more about the athlete side of this and what the pipeline is after they go through the league and, you know, they're now released into the world? The idea is that they are to be drafted, right, by the NBA? Yeah, so I'll answer kind of the first one and then the second one. So in terms of the athletes, um, every single athlete has a six-figure salary. Um, you know, we thought it was important. We, we Look, we believe that there's a gigantic business opportunity here, so we want them to be properly compensated. Um, they also all receive um, equity in overtime, uh, which we thought was an important uh, element of the athlete empowerment. Um you know, and then they received the basketball development. Our head coach is Kevin Ollie, who won a championship at, at UConn, and he has a whole staff. And um, it, it, that part is pretty amazing. And then you mentioned the academics, which are which are pretty um, customized and amazing as well. Um, in, in terms of, um, well, sorry, what was your second question? Yeah. Um, so the I guess the pipeline, right, for the athletes. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. What's yeah. The- yeah, so so re- really the reason why they're joining us is, you know, the money is great, the education is great, uh, but it really does, I think, for a lot of the athletes, come down to the basketball development. They want to achieve their dreams of becoming a professional basketball player, and obviously by joining our league, they already are a professional basketball league, but certainly, um, you know, we, we talk about it all the time. It's about getting to that next level, and so um, I would say all of our athletes have NBA aspirations. Um, will 100% make the NBA? 
Uh, you know, pr probably not, um, and that's okay. My goal is that every single athlete that comes into our program, they are better off basketball-wise. They're better off as as a young as a young man. They're better off, uh, you know, in terms of their education and ready to kind of attack the world. I do think that the large, large majority will play professional basketball somewhere, whether it's in in Europe or you know for international players back in back in their home country, um, or you know they can play in the G League. Um, you know, so so, but you know, a lot of them are already on NBA draft boards, um, and the idea is that this allows them to progress in their basketball career and otherwise. Right, and just to clarify, I believe we've talked about this before, but it does prevent them from playing in college, right? Like they are disqualified from um, NCAA like gaming. Uh, yes, yeah. so um, they one hundred percent can attend college, and in fact, we we have a scholarship put away for them. Um, you know, and and we 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 would have no issue, uh, and in fact, would be happy for them to uh, be able to play college basketball after um, the NCAA rules as they stand right now. Um, prevents them from playing uh, college basketball after they, after they become a professional basketball player. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, that a lot of changes have been happening, a lot of changes related to athlete empowerment. Um, you know, I, I personally don't see a reason why, why they should not be able to then go play college basketball, but um, that's not for us to decide. Got it. How many athletes do you have currently enrolled um, in the program or in the league? And then also, when does the like draft, I guess, start for finding new talent to come in? Yeah, uh, we currently have 27 athletes in our program. Um, and I would say, um, in a sense, sort of the we have a scouting team that kind of works year round. So, you know, they've been scouting athletes for, for quite some time. Um, there is not, I wouldn't say it's exactly a draft. I would say, um, it's sort of a process where we find if there's mutual fit, you know, there's plenty of athletes that want to join overtime elite, of course, that, you know, are not the right fit for the program. And, you know, there are some athletes that we may want, want to join, but they don't feel that we're the right fit for them. And that's okay too. Um, but you know, generally, uh, you know, in, in let's, let's call it anywhere from sort of the end of the high school season to to summer could be a range where where an athlete uh, might commit. You know, we we don't want to disrupt, um, you know, their their ongoing high school season or anything like that. Got it. Yeah. So I also want to get into like the content IP that you had talked about. Um, you have this facility where the games are you know able to be played. Um, I'm curious if you have you know people paying ticket like buying a ticket to attend the games, if you have like in-person audiences or what the, I guess, coverage of the games are itself. Because I think, you know, live sports is, you know, one area, especially if you're not licensing content from other, you know, professional leagues, you know, what's the kind of live sports element that's tied into the league and, and what's your audience like for that? Yeah, so um, I would say for us, we look at the in arena experience almost as um, a soundstage. You know, we purposely built it really for the digital consumer in mind. So, you know, our stadium hosts maybe only around 1,200 people. Uh, but it, 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 when you walk in, like, you know, we, we've had Two Chains and Quavo and, and, and some celebrities at courts are like, well, it's like a video game. It's very futuristic. And, and that's done very purposefully. Um, so the in arena experience is amazing, but it's very, very limited. Um, you know, it's, 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 you know, quite frankly, it's hard to, to get tickets and, and, and be there and all that. Um, but so, so, so that's, that's the in arena experience, but really the value that we feel we're creating is, is obviously the digital content. Um, and for now we are publishing everything through our, 
honestly amazing channels on different platforms. So you can watch highlights on TikTok and Instagram. You can watch uh, kind of full game recaps on YouTube and then cut downs on, on Snapchat. Uh, you can watch stuff on Twitter and on, on Facebook. Um, you know, we're really strong on all these platforms and that's where our audience is spending a lot of time. So we are programming there and they are watching a lot of this content. And obviously our sponsors see a, a lot of lift from uh, from all the content distributed on those platforms. Um, you know, one 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 day in, in the probably not so distant future, um, I, I definitely expect that we will have a media rights partner. Year one and, and you know, perhaps maybe year two, we, we, we really want to be kind of as distributed as possible uh, and really let, you know, sort of the entire world of young people really know uh, and have access to this amazing content. Um, but certainly we believe that the live rights uh, are honestly going to be extremely valuable um, for, for the right partner that, that we're going to be excited to work with. Got it. So you guys aren't currently like live streaming the entire game, right? No. You're, you're taking it and cutting it down. Yeah, we're, we're not. I think um, I, th- I would say what we're right, right now doing is kind of building the most uh, the most amount of hype and interest as possible. And in fact, I see people on Instagram or YouTube or wherever commenting all the time, like, where can I watch the live game? Where can I watch the live game? Uh, and I think in, in the early couple of years, that's actually a really powerful sort of pent up energy um, that we that we want to eventually capitalize on. But I don't think the moment it, it is right just yet. And I would also say that, you know, not every platform, uh, it, I mean, almost every platform at this point can do live. But having the technology to do live and, uh, you know, a product being right, uh, you know, our product being right for live on that platform is is a different question. Yeah. Can you unpack that a little bit more? I know you guys are very like social platform native. You guys had a lot of your growth from um, social media. I know you also recently launched like a a CTV channel, right? Like you're you're starting to get into longer form, um, I guess, video and and looking at like how to capture audiences over there but I'm curious like why you still think like live sports isn't um it's not the right time for that or you haven't started doing it like already just is it more so like audience younger sports audiences aren't um as interested in live I guess sports coverage because I've I've heard that before from like other I guess tv publishers but I'm curious, like, if you can unpack that a little bit more because it seems like it's a a great opportunity that you have with this IP. But is it really just like finding the right partner and finding a, a better deal for you guys to then have that like live streaming right? Um, yeah, them? I, I would say you're alluding to a lot of important things. I mean, we do believe that the live rights for OT are extremely valuable. Um, so it is finding the right partner that we're excited about, but also the partner that that values them in that way, for sure. Um, I think to your point about young people and live sports generally, um, I think that there is a higher, I would say, different threshold, at least, um, for a young consumer to watch live sports than, than probably the older consumer. And I think the data bears that out in terms of young people watching live sports. But ultimately, the legacy leagues, uh, you know, they're, 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 credit to them, they're, they're having important innovation. But ultimately, you know, most of their business model is, uh, you know, tied to the legacy consumer and the legacy broadcast partners and all of that. Um, and for us, we believe that we are an amazing, we've always been an amazing platform for experimentation. And we're optimizing this product for the young consumer. Um, and so when we eventually do, uh, you know, go, go live with it and have a live rights partner, I think it will be a, a different viewing experience than maybe some of the legacy leagues, which I think is an important element. 
and going to a partner versus, you know, keeping it on your O&O like channels is, I guess, a way to to tap into a larger audience as well. Like, are you looking at kind of the external audience growth factor of having a partner in this case? Yeah, yes, yeah. C- certainly. I mean, you know, the, the right partner can can obviously bring uh, a lot of added attention and distribution It's certainly something um, that, that could be valuable and interesting. I think that Again, for us, we're, we're a little bit in a unique situation because, you know, not, not that, that not that we don't, we, we certainly don't mind older folks tuning in and being interested and, and m- many have, uh, but, you know, the core demographic for this league is, is young people and young sports fans. And, uh, we're lucky in the sense that if you are a young sports fan, particularly in the United States, I mean, there's almost no way that you're not aware of overtime and you probably follow us or, or at least watch our content and, and, and feel some sort of brand love for us. So I think, you know, when most startup leagues start uh, in their first year, they're kind of desperate for any sort of distribution or any sort of deal. Um, and that's not exactly the position that we're in. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Then we'll be right back. I'm moving away from like the actual sports highlights and the games themselves. I know you guys also have a lot of programming that's about the athletes and who they are as as individuals. Can you talk about like how the league um, lends itself to that kind of you know creation of IP and and you know video series or, or content that you produce you know in th- in that regard? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's I, I think uh, the order in which you're asking the questions make a lot of sense because it, it completely dovetails off of the idea of the live rights, which is that for us, we don't even necessarily look at it as partitioned. Like there is there is a lot of IP value creation here from the live rights, but also to the off-court content that you're alluding to. Um, you know, and, and it's no secret that, you know, off-court docuseries content, I mean, it's been valuable for a long time, obviously, then in the past kind of 15 years with Hard Knocks, with Last Dance, you know, and, and now seeing uh, what was done with Formula One uh, and Netflix. And, and so th- th- there's certainly a lot of value to that sort of content. I think that OTE provides, honestly, a very unique um, opportunity for that because, A, you have these sort of young men between 16 to 18 years old that other young people are looking up to. They want to see what their lives are like. I mean, what is it like when a 17-year-old makes hundreds of thousands of dollars and already a professional basketball athlete? They're all living together in, in, in the same space. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of really, really interesting elements to it. And then you layer in the fact that, you know, we, I, I would argue that, that I'm not sure there's anyone that understands the young consumer like overtime does. And so our content creation capabilities, um, we have been creating this style of content now for, I think, four years. Uh, and, you know, people are watching hundreds of millions of minutes of this content every single uh, month with us. And so we absolutely view that as a, as a critical piece of the content um, that for now, we certainly distribute across all of our channels, but, you know, could also be part of, of a partnership someday. Um, and it is also very valuable to our sponsors as well. So sponsorships, I definitely want to get into that side of the like business. Um, you mentioned that you have a few sponsors who have done multi-million dollar deals um, associated with OTE. Can you talk about, you know, what those deals look like, you know, how involved they are and, um, you know, who are the who are the sponsors that are very interested in this kind of unique uh, sports content? Again, it's, I don't think any other publisher has created their own in-house league like this. So it's, it's a very unique kind of place to be in. Yeah. Um, so, so the sponsors that, that we are working with right now are Gatorade, State Farm, 
Uh, and then we actually have a deal with, with Meta uh, to broadcast special events in the metaverse. Um, so those are sort of our, our, our three big partners. Well, actually, and our, and our, well, we really have four. Our fourth partner, but a little bit of a different bucket, uh, is Tops. Uh, we have an amazing uh, trading card licensing deal with them. Um, and I would say, you know, I'm sure they they each chose to, to to partner with Overtime Elite for slightly different reasons. But um, I think, you know, I think that there is an understanding in, you know, the sponsorship advertising marketing space that it is really hard to reach young people generally, and it's hard to reach them through sport. Um, but I think there's also an understanding of the power of reaching people through sports. And so I think that's why Overtime for a while has had a lot of success working with advertisers. But when you can connect with us on this really deep level overtime lead where we control, you know, basically the environment uh, and you are able to have direct access to these super elite influential athletes, uh, I think it's a very powerful combination. Um, and quite frankly, there's a lot there's there's an element of scarcity um, that that comes in, in terms of, of the world of basketball. Right. Like being an NBA sponsor is amazing. You know, being an NCAA basketball March Madness sponsor, uh, amazing. But Past that, there's not a lot of opportunity. And so I think there, there are some sponsors that are looking like, oh, this is actually our opportunity to get in into the world of basketball um, and reach all these young people in a place where they're really passionate and get some of that brand love. Um, and then there are folks like, uh, let's, let's say, State Farm, who is an NBA uh, sponsor and also does stuff in college, but they kind of want to own the whole ecosystem. They don't want to necessarily let someone else in. So I think sometimes it's off a combination of offensive and defensive, but ultimately they see the value in the property and uh, partnering with these young athletes. And of course, the, the massive distribution that they get to to our fans. Got it. And I'm got to ask, are, is the league like profitable at this point, like given the sponsorships that you've been able to sign or where are you at in the kind of revenue driving um, you know, aspect of this? Uh, I, I can't speak to the to the profitability of of the league specifically. Um, you know, m most startups are are not uh, are not profitable, sort of in the in the early years. I'll say that. Um, but uh, I w revenue uh, has crushed our expectations for year one. Um, it, I, that, I would say there's a lot of things that uh, we are sort of above where we thought we'd be, but revenue is actually the one that I would say is uh, accelerated the the most as compared to what I would have thought. Got it. And kind of going back to the athletes too, um, obviously they have contracts with you. They are participating in a league that has, you know, sponsorships tied in. I think like in the context of um, name, image and likeness deals, um, the the laws that have changed with the NCAA um, and letting college athletes now, you know, monetize themselves as athletes. I'm curious, like how the athletes at in the OTE league are like, I guess like working in a maybe more like influencer fashion with the sponsors that you have in your ecosystem. Like, are there any kind of deals being done where, you know, maybe meta is like, Hey, we would love to feature, um, you know, one of your athletes in a, uh, a metaverse kind of extension or state farms like, yeah, like this athlete, you know, would be really great to have, you know, post on his, Instagram, like about our, our, you know, our, our company, is that kind of like something that you're getting into at all with the athletes being able to monetize themselves outside of like their salaries when it comes to sponsorships? Like, how does that kind of fit in at all? Yeah, for sure. Um, 
our athletes have have a lot of ability to sign sort of individual sponsorship deals as well. Um, there are there are certain limitations. Um, you know, for for example, if you know if State Farm is our partner, you can't necessarily go do a deal with a competitor. Um, but our our partners do have the ability to then go work directly um, with the athletes in addition to what they do with us. Uh, and then there are, you know some categories that athletes can um, do 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 a bunch of deals with as well. So um, yes, I, I think. Um, you know, I think that a lot of them are, are very thankful to be uh, to be actually getting paid to play basketball. Uh, and some of them are just kind of heads down saying, OK, I'm here. I'm getting paid to play basketball. I want to maximize my chances to the NBA or whatever my dream is. And then you have some athletes that are like that, that too. But I, but I also want to kind of build my brand and, and monetize in other ways. So I would say there's a spectrum. And, um, you know, I think for us, we're, we're not an agency. We're, we're not, we're not brokering deals for them and, um, or representing them or anything like that. Um, but certainly if, if, if they want to do, do those sort of deals, we, we absolutely support them, but you know, we're also not going to pressure that them to make that a focus right now either. Got it. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So I want to talk about, you know, growth this year and, and your plans for, possibly expanding the league or, or, you know, doing more with these athletes. Um, so you have 27 athletes signed on. Um, how many teams, I guess, like exists within, within that? Yeah, for sure. So we currently have three teams, um, you know, which is a little unorthodox for, for a startup league for sure. Um, but you know, managing 27 young men is, uh, is, is, um, is, is a challenge. Uh, we have, we have amazing athletes, but, um, you know, we wanted to make sure that we built out the right infrastructure around them and really um, sort of understood the best ways to partner with them. And I think this year, um, you know, we, we haven't had you know any major issues or anything like that. It's re- our team, the team that we've hired, really the principal, the dean, everyone is just amazing. Um, so I feel like the infrastructure um, is now there for us to expand uh, if we want to. Um, you know, we, we've had this model of kind of internal competition. So our three teams will play against each other and then we'll bring in external, uh, teams as well. Uh, I think, you know, gradually over time, uh, we will, we will probably add more teams, uh, into the league, more athletes. Um, but honestly, we've been able to generate a ton of interest, even with this unorthodox model. Uh, but certainly in the future, there's, there's potential expansion. So you have a, a focus on male sports right now, um, with your men's you know, league and it's, it's very basketball oriented. Do you have plans to create a women's league at all, or even like expand outside of the basketball, um, sport? Uh, yeah. So, you know, we, we've been doing a lot in women's sports for a very long time, almost since the inception of our company, uh, over time, WBB is one of, if not the biggest platforms for women's basketball, uh, on, on the internet. Uh, and we have, you know, done women's events in the past and, uh, absolutely it's something that we're considering. Uh, we may, uh, you know, I have something to announce in the in the in the woman's space in the not too distant uh, future. Um, so I think that that that's an exciting space for sure. And then in terms of other uh, sports, uh, yeah, I mean we're 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 very deep in football. We're very deep in gaming, in in soccer, uh, and there are other sports that we would look at as well. I think that over time, ultimately, is this amazing platform uh, to make people care about things. Uh, and again, you know, kind of going back to the beginning of our conversation. 
the most valuable thing for overtime that we can make people care about is our own operated IP. Uh, so I think this has been, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly an ongoing experiment OTE is, uh, but I think we can already say that it's been successful and now it's just about doubling down on it uh, and then finding uh, other kind of bets to place uh, outside of just men's basketball as well. I'm curious, like some of the off-court content, like we we touched on how athletes, especially younger athletes, you know, making six-figure salaries is is probably something very attractive to um, your audience. But I'm curious, like what else, um, I guess, what kind of series or content that you're creating, like how involved are the athletes in helping produce some of these other, um, you know, series on your YouTube channel or be involved in your, in your social media. Um, what's that kind of like content look like and and the timeline for that? Yeah. Um, athletes are certainly very involved. Almost all of them, you know, want to be featured, which is, which is a great dynamic as opposed to, you know, maybe some, some older players that are a little more jaded. It's a really important factor. And it's not only an important factor for us getting access to them, but you kind of see it through the screen, like there's just an excitement level that I think is a little different for a younger athlete. Um, certainly people want to see, you know, how, how these young people are living their lives and in terms of uh, sort of the off court, there's also a ton of sort of training content around that people want to see how these athletes are, are getting better. They're, they're really role models. Um, and you also referenced uh, sort of the, the speed of it. And, and uh, that's one of the things that we really pride ourselves on. The content is coming out in, in, you know, on most platforms, almost in real time, you know, on Instagram or TikTok or Twitter. Um, and then even for our longer form stuff, um, you know, this is not content that's years behind what's happened. It's normally maybe a week or two behind, uh, which really keeps you kind of real time, which I think uh, is something that our audience really enjoys. I don't think we actually touched on your audience demographics yet. Um, like, is your audience primarily, you know, teens that are around the same age as the athletes that you're featuring? Or like, I guess, how broad is that scope? Yeah. Um, so the super, super majority of our uh, of our fans are between uh, 13 and 34. I think, I don't know, something like 90% or something are, are, are in that range. Um, and then, uh, you know, the the... the sort of the heaviest um, sort of population between in, in terms of uh, the density is uh, 18 to 24. Um, that's our sort of our, our biggest cohort. And then, you know, 24 to 34 and, and 13 to 18 are, are the other two sort of big ones. Um, you know, I think that certainly we have a lot of teenage fans that are very passionate about us. And, and I think, um that they're likely to, you know, be like, oh my God, overtime, I love overtime, shout out overtime, where where the gear and, and all of that stuff. Uh, but actually the the majority of them are in that 18 to 24 range. Got it. Got it. And I'm I'm really curious. So you've had, I think, one full season already under your belt. Um, and you've been, I guess, what is this, like mid-spring semester? So you're probably almost a year through of your first year of like actually having these athletes in your, I don't want to say custody, but like working with you, um, what are some of the, I guess, like learnings that you've, you've gotten from working with such a, a young, you know, group of people, um, especially, uh, maybe uh, this could be like their first job in a lot of cases. Like what are some of the learnings that you've, you've gotten from that? Yeah. Wow. I love that question. Um, I would say one of the biggest ones is that, um, I think that I'm trying to think about the best way to articulate this. I think that um, 
you know, I, I am not a, I'm, I'm not a parent, um, yet. Uh, I'm only, I'm only 29, but you know, my, the commissioner of our league is a parent. My, my co-founder is a parent. Our head of basketball operations is a parent. I mean, you know, we have a lot of parents in, in, involved. And so, um, you know, I, I think in a weird way, I've learned a lot about parenting quite candidly. And I think these are actually some amazing parents that we have working with us. Um, and I think sort of the biggest thing that I've learned is like, you know, I think, uh, I think that in a weird way, media kind of portrays parents as in many cases, like just telling the kid what to do. Um, and it's like, you know, do this, take out the trash, go to your room, like brush your teeth. And, um, I think that, uh, I think what we've done a, a really good job of is not being that and more talking to the athletes and helping them understand why we are making certain decisions uh, and making them partners. I mean, it doesn't mean that always the athlete will get the final say and just like the kid doesn't always get the, the final say with the parent. Um, but when you kind of help them understand why you you are saying something, I think that that's huge. And I mean, it's just a, a quick personal anecdote, but I was with uh, an in-law this this weekend um, and they said, we don't we don't actually make our, our kids brush their teeth, uh, but we show them what teeth will look like if you do not brush them. And so they have an understanding of that and, and, a, and a fear of that in, in, a, in a healthy sense, like they don't want their teeth to rot. Um, so they, they, I mean, these are young kids, they're like three or four years old and they're proactively brushing their teeth, which is a huge thought on its own. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, I, I think that, look, that's, that's true for a three to four year old. That's true for a 50 year old. Everyone, no one wants to be told what to do with no reasoning. Um, so I think uh, kind of having the athletes be under the hood uh, and treating them like, honestly, like you would an adult and explaining things through. And I think you should treat sort of young people the same way. So I think that's been a core tenant that uh, at least I feel I've learned in this past year. Yeah. And you had mentioned classes around financial literacy as well. I mean, it sounds like even in the curriculum, there's this kind of focus on getting like a, a, a young person who's making a lot of money, like in a position where they can be smart with it, they can start their career in basketball, where there's a lot of influx of, of cash, especially if you're in the NBA and, and be responsible with it. I feel like there's a lot of this kind of like teaching by example, like leading by example kind of mentality, which is really cool to hear. Um, and then I guess last question for you, what's the, I guess, next biggest Thing for the league this year? Like, what are you looking at um, growing into? Like, are you trying to get, um, I don't know, I, I guess I'm, I'm curious, like, what's the next step a year after you've kind of tested and learned? Like, what's, what are you most excited about? I think I'm, I think I'm most excited. Year one, I think was, I don't, I don't want to say it was a, it was a beta year because I think we, we accomplished something in, incredible on behalf of ourselves and we have the athletes and we have the sponsors, et cetera. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of sort of foundational work that we had to do in year one. I mean, a year ago, we didn't even know what city we were going to be. And we hadn't hired any staff. I mean, there, there was, you know, we were in a very different position last year. So, uh, you know, the playoffs and finals are actually in these upcoming weeks. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'm actually really looking forward to the off season to be able to say, okay, we kind of have our footing underneath us. Um, and now, like now we can really start to think about the innovation, uh, and taking things to the next level for the athletes and, and really, really for the fans and, and making it, you know, just such an engaging product for them. So 
you know, we definitely have some specific ideas cooking. Um, but that, that I think is the overall hierarchy. I just think that the difference between what you will see in year two from what we've seen in year one, um, <clears throat> I think will be pretty amazing. Got it. Also, didn't ask this earlier too. How long is a season? Is it like about as long as, you know, a, a college um, athletic season or, or, you know, what are you? Yeah, it, it's pretty similar. So we, we kicked off our season in October, um, you know, and it's going to end here in, in mid-March. Um, you know, there'll be some other forms of competition that they get to take place in really through May. And then um, over the summer, you know, just as, as student, they, they can either kind of stick around on campus if they want to, or uh, they can go back to their hometown and then they'll rejoin us again, probably for, you know, training camp pieces in probably late August, early September timeframe. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Zach, for joining us. This is, it's a really fascinating, you know, innovative program that you've put together and it's been great learning about it. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you for listening to the Digiday podcast. Please don't forget to share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. You can even rate us and leave a comment on Apple podcasts if you like. We'll be back next week with another episode.